Let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to start by reading a different scripture, so don't get confused that you're there in Deuteronomy 6 and I'm not. If you like titles and, and you're a um, note taker, uh, defining, uh, calling this study Love Defined. Love Defined. Corinthians chapter 13. Paul wrote, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity or sin, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. Love it's quite the topic. We could do a six, eight-week study on love. This morning, if perhaps you're on your way to church and you got in an argument like it happens, right? Or you had a tough week. Maybe a week where you're just not feeling the love. Lord, have mercy on you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love. Lord, and I do pray for soft hearts. Lord, that we would receive your word with gladness. Lord, that you would teach us. Lord, as you have defined love and you've demonstrated love and you delight in loving us. Lord, help us to comprehend your love that, that we might begin to walk in it in a greater and greater way. Lord, that it might define our lives as it defines yours. Thank you for this time, Lord. Be honored and, and glorified in our Bible study. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Webster's Dictionary defines love this way. A strong affection for one another rising out of a kinship or a personal ties. Like your best friend. He's my best friend. Personal ties. I love him. I love my best friend. Also, affection and tenderness felt by lovers. I think I'm in love. I think this is the one. I think I'm just in love. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the warm and fuzzies. Affection based on admiration is another definition by Webster. I love Billy Graham. What a servant of the Lord. I love Pastor Eric Cartier teaching us the word week in and week out. You may not know Eric personally. You may, I don't know Billy Graham personally, but I love him. Admiration. The score of zero in tennis. 40 love. One time you don't want to be in love. 
Amen. An informal term of address. Hello, love. How are you this morning? And also, devotion. Lord, I love you. I want to give my whole life to you. Devotion to the Lord. Now, the Bible defines love, and God has defined love. And not only does he define it in its highest form, he demonstrates it, and he delights in loving us, but he also demands love of of us. And so that will serve as your outline for this morning, the four D words. Now, the last one is the one that we're going to start with first, because it could be the toughest one to swallow. God demands love. Well, it starts with D, and command does not start with a D, so it worked. But command, demand, thou shalt, hopefully we'll see that it's a very good demand. It's a very good demand. So starting at verse 1 in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses has reviewed the Ten Commandments with the children of Israel. God has led them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land. And God is reminding them through Moses to love, to obey, and to keep the commandments. Verse 1 of chapter 6 in Deuteronomy. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. It's much more than to just know God's word, but to actually live it out, to observe it. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Now, a very devout Jew or a Jewish man that would go to morning prayers might wear a a phylactery or two phylacteries. One would wrap around the arm and it would be a little leather box and it would be on the wrist. And the other one would be that box that you've seen. And you go, what what is that all about, right? And, And it's attached to their head. And it's a phylactery, and what is it? It's a leather box, and it has scriptures in it, scriptures from the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And one of those scriptures was Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
They also would have this thing called a mezuzah, a rectangular ornate box that they would, that they would nail to their doorpost or the, or the front gate. And it too had a hollow spot in it where you could put these scriptures. Now, I'm not sure if that's the exact application that the Lord was getting at. But I know this, what he is telling us is that what you do with your hands, what you think about with your mind, what you look upon with your eyes, what your house should say and declare is that you love God and God loves you. His commandments weren't simply to know, but to live out that others might see it and that my life and your life as we do that is rich and fulfilled with purpose, the very purpose God gave us for living. In Matthew 22, you don't need to turn there, a Pharisee tested Jesus by asking him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your minds. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We find that in Leviticus 19.18. On these two commandments, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. God just doesn't demand that we love him. He demands that we love each other. That we love each other with this love, with his love as well. These two commandments sum up the law and the prophets. What did the law and the prophets do? They pointed us to moral things that God had given to us, requests of us, that always, that always either caused us to do something or not to do something that would speak love to him and to others. And the prophets were always reminding the people to go back to a great love and devotion to the Lord when they would get away from him. And what Jesus is saying is that if you, if you actually fulfill the law of love, that you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love others as yourself, you don't need a law because you won't cheat your neighbor, you won't murder anybody, you won't steal from anybody. You won't allow yourself to be, become an angry, bitter person an unloving person, because you will be loving God with all you have and loving others. He says there is no law for that. Just like there is no law if we drive the speed limit, right? Now, if you don't, then you tend to push it a little bit. I'm guilty. You're looking behind you, right? Or to the side, right? If you're driving the speed limit, meh. Hi, Mr. Officer. Right, I, I, I'm, I'm in the limit, right? He says, he says you don't need a law. You don't need rules and regulations in your life because the highest, the highest rule and regulation you have received and you're living out, the law of love, the law of love. If it's commanded, if love is commanded, if love is demanded, do we still have the choice or not? Shouldn't love be willing, given, offered, spontaneous? Why would God demand that we love him? I would submit to you that it's because he loves us and he created us. 
And he knows what, that that is the very best for us. And if you've lived your life at all with seasons, long seasons, short seasons, it doesn't matter, where, where you were feeling the love and it was working, you know that that works a whole lot better than when you don't. A whole lot better than when you don't. And so God knows how we work. And, and because of that, because we do have a choice, he's going to tell us the, the, the very best choice to pick. And he's going to command us to love as he did. We love our kids this way. Do we demand that they love each other when they're fighting? All right, now, let's stop pulling each other's hair. Okay, give your sister a hug. Give your sister a little kiss on her cheek, right? We demand that they love each other as opposed to them fighting. We demand that they don't go play in the street. That's a good demand, right? The law, our laws, demand that we don't go around breaking the law, murdering, stealing. Those are all good laws. We receive that. But sometimes, loving God and loving others can be an affront to us. But if it's from God and he knows that if we love him with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and he set it up that way. And he says, my little children, to love is to obey, and to obey is love. And it becomes my highest, best obligation. Then that's good for me. That's good for you. Do we love our obligation to love God? Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Do we love the command to love? Psalm 119, it's going to be right in the middle of your Bible. And turn to verse 127. You don't get to say that very often in the Bible. 127 of Psalm 119. Ask yourself, do I agree with the psalmist? Do I agree with the psalmist? says, therefore, I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. Therefore, your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It lights my way. It lights my path. It gives understanding to the simple I opened my mouth and I panted, for I longed for your commandments. The psalmist is hungering and thirsting for God's righteousness and his commandments. Do we agree with him this morning? Do we agree with the psalmist this morning? In a me, myself, and I world. In a selfish heart and Mind, a world that's centered on a selfish heart and mind. This is an offense. You see, because I'll love on my terms. 
I'll love if it suits me. I'll love if I get love back. In a God-centered world, in a a God-centered heart and a God-centered mind, in a Jesus-centered heart and a Jesus-centered mind, this is a blessing. Oh, God, you loved me. You created me. You saved me. Lord, show me your ways. Lord, it's good for me to love you, and it's good for me to love others. We get tripped up in this kind of love because of me. Because I'm really good at loving me. And I need to be told and instructed and begged sometimes and reasoned with sometimes to love others. Because God's kind of love, it's going to hurt. I may not get anything back for it. God commands love, and it comes with a great, great blessing. Do we love his command to love? God did not just say, love me and figure it out for yourself. Our second point is that he defined it. God defined love. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 9, this will be the last place that I ask you to turn to, though I will quote some other scriptures. John 15 and verse 9. God's definition of love. Verse 9 is, The Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Here's the definition. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. No greater love. No greater way to express love. God's agape, sacrificial love. No better way to define it, Jesus says. Jesus defined the pinnacle of love, the highest point. You can go with love, the gold medal, the very best of the best of love when we are laying, willing and able to lay down our life for each other. To lay down our rights to love. Now, great parents get this. Great parents understand that they lay down some rights for their kids. The right to a good night's sleep. The right to a clean house. The right to relaxing vacations. The right to a little extra money in the bank. Now, we lay down those things for our kids because we love them greatly. We love them greatly. And we will sacrifice for them, and we don't begrudge it. We don't think about it. Because because why we're doing it. Why we're doing it. Husbands, we have a direct command from the Lord. Husbands, we have a direct command from the Lord in Ephesians 5 to love our wives as Christ loved the church and die for her. Love defined the same exact way, dying for your wife. 
understanding her, loving her, and being willing to die for her. Highest definition of love. If we spend our days thinking about how we can meet each other's needs, how we can love God and, and loving others and putting our own needs behind our, our own, then we are living a life defined by Jesus the appropriate way with the highest form of love. With the highest form of love. Now, is that how you define love? Is that how I define love? Does my love meet the gold standard? Pretty high standard for sinners. Now, we could go for the second highest love, maybe. We could go for a mediocre love, I suppose. We could go for a lazy love. We could go for a me-centered love that says, I'll love as long as I get what I want. No, Jesus says, go for the highest form of love. And if he's asked us to do it, then we can do it. And he will empower us to do it if we embrace it, if we understand. Now, Jesus said no greater love. And God has not asked us to do anything he was not willing to do himself. He demands love. He defines love. And now our third point is that God demonstrated that love. Now, I would submit to you that all of us get a little bit frustrated with a leader, that a boss, that is demanding and will not lift a finger. That is demanding and orders a lot, but doesn't pitch in and get their own hands dirty. That's a little bit frustrating from a leader, from a boss. Do as I say or else. Right? In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, Paul wrote this For when we were still sinners without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one, would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he demanded it, he defined it, and then he said, I'll go first. I'll go first. The plan of salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, was the plan before, before Adam and Eve took the first bite. Was the plan that said, I know that you're going to fall short and I know I'm going to have to love you to death. That was God's plan. He hasn't asked us to do anything. He hasn't defined anything that he was not willing to do. Wonderful attributes for you leaders and you bosses out there and you husbands and moms and patriarchs. Jesus died for us and we get to die for, for others. Have we demonstrated this degree of love? Have we demonstrated this degree of love, laid our lives down, our rights down, and have we done it without complaining or grumbling? Imagine Jesus on the cross. 
oh, Father, I, I, I can't believe this. These guys, they crucified me. They turned their backs on me. I can't believe that they did this to me. Lord, can I just wipe them out? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, when my rights get offended, stepped on, it's so easy for me to justify not being loving. And I forget, Lord, that's what you did for me. And I love that, and I receive it for me. But Lord, this is what they did. This is how it hurt me. Yeah, he gets it. He gets it. How is our demonstration of love? How is our demonstration of love to the unlovable? The unlovable is God's specialty, and it should be ours as Christians. It should be ours as Christians. It should be our specialty. Moms and dads, grandparents, Christian families, if we don't get this right in the world today, who will? If we don't get this right in Colorado Springs, who will? If you don't get this right in your family, who will? Who will? Our, our fourth point, God delights in loving us. God delights in loving us. Hebrews 12 and 1, therefore, we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of, the, of our faith, who for the joy, who for the delight, who for the pleasure that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Because you and I were the reward, Jesus found joy in the cross. Sinners. Because you and I were the reward, Jesus found a light in the cross. Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights, the Lord delights in his way. When God asks us, commands us, demands that we go and do something and love someone as he has loved, and we actually then go and do it, he delights in it. He delights in it. When he pushes us to love greater and we love greater, he loves it. It makes him smile. Micah 7 and 18. Who is like God? Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity, pardoning sin, and passing over the sin or the transgression of the remnant of his people. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He delights in giving us mercy. 
Now, what parent isn't delighted when our kids do something awesome that we taught them and then they go and do it on their own? That's my girl. That's my, that's my boy. The Lord even goes a step beyond that because we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to be exactly like him. We're not always going to love just like him. And he says, I still love you. And my mercy is still for you. Just like we do our kids. Oh, you screwed up. You screwed up big time. But I love you. I love you. And we can fix this. He delights in that. He delights in it. Every opportunity, if you have kids, every opportunity of their screw-up is an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ and the extent of it. The principle and the rule and the truth and the, and, and the correction, absolutely. But it's also a way to show them God's love by delighting in giving them mercy as God delighted in giving us mercy. When we don't deserve it, he delights in loving us. Do we delight in paying the price for someone else? Do we delight in paying the price for someone else? Do we delight in suffering because of someone else's sin? Jesus delighted. He found joy in the cross in order to love you and me. It's the only thing that you could ever joy in what he endured for us. Because the outcome, the outcome, that you and I would say, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I give you my life. Do you have real friends? Real friends, long-lasting friends. In the Bible, there's several different words for love. One of those words is phileo, and it, it, is a, it is a great affection for. It's a best friend's phileo. And the other one we've talked about is agape, God's agape love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that's going to hurt. It's a love that's going to cost me something. It's a love that doesn't get anything back except the fact that I loved with God's love and I made God smile. You're still in John chapter 15. Look at verse 13 again. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus said to his disciples, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you that you love one another, that you agape, that word is agape, one another, that you go to the cross for one another. In John 5 and verse 20, Jesus said, For the Father loves the Son, that word is phileo, 
The father has a great affection, their best friends, and he shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. In John 16 and 27, Jesus said, For the father loves you, phileo. He counts you as a friend to his disciples. Because you have loved, phileoed, me. You're my friend and I'm your friend and so the Father considers you his friend as well and have believed that I came forth from God. Because you loved me, you phileoed me and believed that I came from God, God in turn loves you. See, true friends have gone to the cross for each other. Think about this. God does not phileo just anybody. For God so loved the world, he agapes, and he agapes, and he gave his life. And when agape is responded to, yes, Lord, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. When agape is responded to, you have friends. And you know if you have a friend on this earth like that. You can name them. You know their love. You count on their love. And they're always there for you. You know if you love someone like that this morning. Because you're there for them. And you love them. And they count on you. Husbands and wives... To become best friends, you must give up your life for each other. And it works. And it's awesome. Just as the same awesomeness that you felt the day your sins were forgiven. God demanded love. It's a good demand. God defined love. It's the greatest form of love. One would lay down their life. God demonstrated it. He laid down his life first. And God delights in loving us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for your love. God, we confess that when we place our love next to yours, it, it comes up a lot short. I pray, Lord, that we would be able to receive your word, that you would give us hearts that love your commandments, that love when you ask something of us because you know that's the way we work best. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd heal hearts Lord, that you'd work in families, husbands and wives, a great, great love, grandparents, uncles and aunts, co-workers, Lord, friends. God, we give, we give the wrongness of our love this morning to you and ask you to fix us, to make us Christians that truly love, that truly love with your love. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.